If you like the show, share it with a friend. You can find us at facebook.com slash slipangleshow, and you can visit our new home on the web at www.tracktuned.com backslash slipangle. You can also leave us reviews and ratings on iTunes. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of The Slip Angle Show. I am here in Canoga Park, California, currently with Moti from Blackbird Fabworks. How's it going, Moti? Oh, it goes all right. It's going places. Well, thank you for having me today. The shop is uh, absolutely astonishing, the work that comes out of here. Thank it you. Is, thank uh, you. Very amazing. For those of you that don't know, uh, Moti does a lot of fabrication work. Uh, best known in the Miata world for Miata cages and, and roll bars and things like that. Uh, but he's also got some other projects that he's he shared with me while I've been here. So it's uh, it's a very interesting place. If you ever get time and uh, he's okay with you stopping by, I suggest stopping by and checking out stuff. But I think he's yeah, do make, busy. Do make an appointment for <laughs> yeah, that he, one. Right? He stays we we are busy most of the time. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, thanks for stopping. And uh, we're, you know, like you said, it's it's mostly uh, the, the Miata world that is familiar already with our work. I have been a part of it in the last I don't know, 17 years or so, um, doing a lot of, uh, you know, between cages and arrow and other bits and pieces that we've done. And it just started as a uh, as a little thing that I've done for myself on the kitchen table, just like every other car guy that decides, oh, I need to fabricate this little bracket for myself, and you know, no one sells something like that. And it became a thing that you know the next guy said, oh, this is a cool little bracket. Can you make this for me too? Yeah, sure, no problem. And you know, it became friends and friends of friends, and then uh, the friends of the friends bring another one, and next thing you know, you're you're full time at it. Yeah. Just expanding our line of products and doing more and more work. You know, that seems to be a common theme, I guess, for different people in the industry. You know, I've been able to visit with a lot of people, and it kind of seemed to be that a lot of people got their start from creating things that weren't around that they wanted. And then other yeah. people ended up wanting it too. So yeah, It makes perfect sense. I mean, yeah. you know, the, the guys that are out there testing the things, the, the, you know, the, especially I find the, the track day guys, uh, you know, a lot of... Uh, my fellow vendors that that I'm friends with and working with on a on a business basis and all that are kind of the same thing. They they start with like, well, you know, I really want this thing for my car and no one makes it, so maybe I can kind of fab up my own or uh, or you know talk to this guy that I know is making things. And from here to there, you know, you have whole you know new generation of products comes out, you know, from anything beyond between. Uh, you know the the kind of work that we're doing, which is really any type of fabrication work. I, you know, I wanted to do a long tail on my race car just because I wanted to see what it does for aerodynamics. And really, finding a Miata long tail is uh, definitely a no. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I came up with the idea one day and thought up the solution of how to make it one piece and all nice and smooth, and came up with it. And next thing you know, we had it on the car at Auto Club Speedway. Uh, this one you know, weekend and found out that it makes the car go about seven miles an hour faster down wow. the straight. 
So that's it's pretty a, significant, especially for a, a very low horsepower Miata like yeah. yours. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So I mean, you know, getting seven miles an hour extra all of a sudden from that, you really start to push the envelope and come up with uh, with other ideas. Okay, well, what happens if we streamline the tubes with a Lexan fairing, and what happens if we do this and that? Yeah, um, it's kind of the basis for a lot of products that we come up with. It's you know. Uh, trying to, to think of the solution for a problem that a lot of people are dealing with um, and, and they just want to have something that just works, it just bolts on, it just, you know, you could just buy the thing, comes with the bolts and the nuts and, you know, you're good to go. Yeah, you know, uh, when we were at, uh, at Miata's at Mazda Raceway Laguna Seca, you know, I saw that you have that whole shelf of trunks with wings for people to try out. And I thought that was a really cool idea. You know, I'd, I'd heard of people, like, letting people try their wings and things like that, but never having just a, a bolt-on trunk and, like, three of them where, hey, bolt this thing on to your, you know, to your car just for, for a session and go out and, and see what, what sort of difference it makes. So yeah, it's really I thought that one was really cool. Things, so, yeah, we, we found out that um, it kind of sells itself uh, if you let people try it. And one of those things about those spoilers that they are very very effective so with that said we wanted to just let people try it and see and you know they would buy it after trying it and you know the the thing proves itself uh, not only as a uh, as a um, you know uh, an aerodynamic device but it would it proves itself to to people that have never tried something like that before and they just want to go out and they don't want to hear my salesman spiel, and trust me, I've said it enough times to not <laughs> want to say it either. Uh, I just, just want to bolt this thing on the car, take it out for a session, and 20 minutes later, you'll you'll already be sold on it. Yeah. You know, all, all there is to it is just drilling your own holes in the trunk and, and put the thing on and call it a day. Yeah. We actually had a couple of guys that did that on the spot, which was really cool because that spoiler is uh, mount, mounts in about an hour or mm -hmm. so for guys that haven't mounted it before. Like uh, if me or or my helpers here at the shop would do it, it's probably 10, a half hour minutes. with a beer break. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, you know, we had a couple of guys that did exactly that. They bought the spoiler. I emailed them the instruction right away to their phone. And, you know, next thing you know, they, you know, take the drill out and put some holes in it and, you know, bust out the wrenches. And an hour later, they were on track with the spoilers on. So that was really cool to see. Yeah. And, a really great selling point for guys that were kind of debating, like, oh, you know, can I do this? Can I not? Yeah. Is it too, you know, too hard or something like that? We tell them, like, nah, even if you've never done anything like that before, an hour later, you'll have the thing on the car. For any of you uh, Southern California folk, and I guess even some other parts of the country, depending on where, where Mochi's going, uh, I highly recommend grabbing one of these trunks from them and, and trying it out. You know, I've seen the effects of Aero on my car. Um, you know, with a different spoiler, but it, it is huge. If you've never tried aero before, it makes a huge, huge difference. So it, the car actually becomes a lot easier to drive and a lot quicker. You know, what, how, much, how much time, mostly, like, it, it, like Button Willow, would you say people save with a, with a wing like that? I would say that on average people would report between a second and a second and a half gained. And I wouldn't say that it, you know, it works in a specific corner or a specific section more than right. others. It's an incremental difference. Uh, you'd, you'd be able to shave off you know, two tenths in this corner and another tenth in the next corner and a couple tenths over there where you're trying to pitch, pitch a car a little harder under braking into 
you know, sweeper or something like that. And people just notice that the car becomes a lot less nervous. Uh, yeah. And it inspires some confidence in the driver. And that's really what a lot of, uh, you know, the more basic type of aero is all about. It's just being able to inspire a little confidence in the driver and, and be able to take the corner just, you know, that couple of miles an hour faster. And by the time you're done with, you know, uh, full lap and you're back at start finish line, the car is another second, second and a half faster. So it's really, you know, it's a, it's a pretty good game. Um, and from my perspective of, you know, a Miata guy and racer and tuner for some time, I really can't think of a single product that costs that little and we sell them for 280. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really can't think of a single product that for that little money... You can drop that much time. <laughs> you could drop that much time and that consistently too. Because, yeah. you know, you think about tires. You can always buy, you know, a great set of Hoosiers and, you know, drop them on the car. And next thing you know, you're going like three, four seconds faster. But they're going to fall off after yeah, a session. Yeah, that's a consumable. And, you know, exactly. It's yeah. A, these spoilers are as reliable as sunrise. I mean, you know, you know that the sun is going to rise yeah. next morning. And these spoilers are going to do exactly the same tomorrow. Uh, and so that makes them a really appealing product for the you know, track day guy that just wants to have something. It's not for the guys that are looking for the last split second in an all-out competition, uh, unless that's the only thing that you're allowed to do for a class, which some right. classes There's are some like classes, that. Yeah. Uh, but for the guys that just want to bolt something on and make the car go a little quicker and inspire a little bit of confidence, it's an excellent product. Yeah. So now take me back to, uh, you know, I guess how you got your start with the, the road racing type stuff. Um, you know, when I know we talked about you having owned Miatas for quite a while, but is that where your driving career started was with Miatas or, or were you into stuff before that? Uh, I always liked a couple other cars that were kind of in mind. I, I you know, I, I always liked the Lotus 7s mm-hmm. and things like that. Those are awesome little cars. Yeah. Um, and I actually have one, the one that you saw in the shop, that, yeah. that seven replica out there that I've been. That car's gonna be working. really cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be a riot to drive. I mean, we weighed the chassis and and everything in it and all that. Uh, projected weight is gonna be eleven hundred pounds. Wow! And that Yamaha engine in it, the R one two thousand five engine. Uh, it's a twenty valve engine that revs almost to fourteen thousand. That's going to be pretty fun, man. Just over 170 horsepower. Wow, that's going to be that's going to be that's going to be wicked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be really cool. Yeah. So, uh, you know, but Miatas were always kind of like, oh, these these are really cool cars. And then I had chance to drive one, and you know, just like everyone else that that ever drives (laughs) one of them, like, oh, these cars are really awesome, and they don't leak oil or water from the top or. Really, I mean, it's just a great little car. If, if you're anything like me, before you drove a Miata, you kind of looked down on them a little bit. And then you drive it, and you're like, holy crap, this is actually really good. So at least that's the way it was for me, and I let a bunch of my friends drive as well. And it was the same thing with them. They didn't think much of it, and then they hopped in it and drove it on track, and they're like, wow, this thing's amazing. Yeah, so for me, it was actually a very different experience. Oh, yeah? Uh, because my first Miata, when I bought it, was way back when, when I still lived in Israel. Okay. And in Israel, the taxing on cars is crazy. We're talking like 150, 140 something percent. Wow. So, I mean, a, a 
you know, a $30,000 car here would be 75 grand in Israel. And that makes cars that are easily attainable for a person here, uh, you know, a much bigger financial uh, investment. Um, but I always like, you know, sports cars. And because things are so expensive over there, um, you know, the, the really nicer cars, you know, the, the, like Porsches or something like that, are just way out of budget for the common person. Uh, but the Miatas were kind of still in there. You know, I found one used. I bought it way back in 98, uh, and it was a 95, so it had, had a little bit of mileage on it, a couple dings and, and, uh, and scratches, but it was still a cool little car, but they're so rare because, you know, if, if a car costs that much money, people kind of try to go for the more practical choice right so buying a two-seater you know roadster <laughs> is not something that you know you'd, you'd buy yourself as a toy car unless you're relatively wealthy yeah uh, and so being just you know fresh out of the military service that i was in in the air force and you know and just wanting to experience something like that before you know going through all circle of life so you know going to school and going you know and and Finding your girl and all that yeah. stuff. I was like, okay, I got to buy myself a sports car. Yeah. That's the right time in life right now. And so now, I found that Miata in Israel and I was like, oh, this is awesome. You know, so I now bought are that there, thing. Are there driving events and things that you can participate in over there? Like autocrosses nope. and nope, no, that's, nothing? That's an exact zero. Okay. Um, it's, it's completely illegal. Really? Sports. That's actually one of the drivers wow. for me to move to the U.S. Because I, I always wanted to take part of it. I always wanted to race and drive on you know track and all that and uh it was so rare that you'd see anything like that um you know even around in israel not you know you have some rallies here and there in the middle east but it's it's really um, i mean for the most illegal in israel so okay um you know, I just wanted something that I could I could do, and when I moved here, it was like, okay, you know, I got to buy myself a car, and I already knew, you know, a little bit about Miatas, and I wanted to do that, so I bought myself another one, and that turned into my first, you know, race race car. Okay, um, and whenabouts was that? Like, what what year did you come I to the states? I want to say two thousand. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I had that Miata in Israel. That was the the you know just to open the door. Uh, you know, they're so rare, so it's like driving a McLaren F1 or something like that in Israel. It's crazy. You know, people look at you and point fingers. You're like a yeah. rock star when yeah. you drive one of those. Uh, it's just kind of funny, you know, considering the, the, you know, you're like a hairdresser right here if you, if you drive one of those. Um, but, yeah, you know, so I got that that uh, going and moved here. And, okay. And you know, the rest is history. Just okay. So when you when you were in Israel, did you did you do any fab work or anything over there, or did you kind of pick that up when you when you got here? I kind of did ever since I was a kid. Okay, um, you know, starting with like Legos and things like that, and building models. So um, do you have like a Lego roll cage in your Miata when you were in oh Israel? Dude, I had everything, <laughs> everything. Um, no, actually, uh, I you know I used to build Legos on it decently high level and competing in like lego competitions for you know kids that were building stuff and i almost won one of them and just couldn't finish something ahead of time see how (laughs) that goes um but no 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 it's it's one of those things where i i always did ever ever since i was a kid yeah and uh 
We need to tie that in. Your next race car needs to have a Lego livery. You know, it needs to look like Lego blocks, man. Hey, you know what? My girls would love that. Yeah, that'd be sweet. I, I think that, that that's an easy <laughs> sell at my household. Just wrap it like a Lego, man. There All sorts go. of colors. See? Be like Everything a, is awesome, right? Be like a postmodern like, art car style. There you go. That'd be pretty good. <laughs> uh, that's actually a pretty cool idea. Yeah. I might just do that. You heard it here first. There you, you go. Get, oh, and then you can get the Lego man. That's helmet. why you listen to Slip Angle, people. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> then you get your, your helmet painted as the Lego helmet. Now you're talking. Oh, there you go, man. Now you're talking. And then you can get you can get marketing from Lego. There hey, you go. That, that's done. sponsorship. Either done that or they're going to sue me to death. And that would be the last time you see any Lego <laughs> race car. <laughs> well, everybody heard it here first. So it was brewed go. up. It was brewed up here. Yep, if so somebody else has been thinking about it and hasn't done it, Sorry, I didn't steal your idea. I just, too, too I late, just came up with it. You didn't announce it yet. so It's just too late. Yep. You'll always be second. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, uh, you know, I know we talked about when you first came to the States, you bought another Miata. Uh, when did you start tracking that Miata and, and where at? Right away. Yeah. I mean, I bought that car and two weeks later, that car was lightened, had the wheels on it, had the <laughs> tires, had the wing, had a roll bar, so had a turbo. Did you have like, whole build in your head before you even moved over here? I started, I, I started buying the parts before I bought the car because I already knew what I wanted in it. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you know, so I wanted that turbo and I wanted, you know, that intercooler and I wanted these wheels and the suspension and, you know, everything. I had a pallet. Full of parts, sitting in my uh, in my uh, dining room at the little apartment that I rented with uh, with another guy, and it was just filled with parts. <laughs> and I bought the car and and started wrenching on it that night. Oh uh, wow! And two weeks later, I mean, it was turboed already and up running, tuned. And I think about two months later was the first time that I was on track with it. Wow! With uh, NASA back at Sears Point when it okay. was still called Sears, Sears Point. Point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, before wow. Infineon, before Sonoma. So were you living down here and you drove up there for an event? Yeah. Talk okay. about stupidity, right? Yeah. First time <laughs> first, out. First track a, day ever. Yeah. Like six, seven hours away from home. Uh, I think even more than that. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's like eight hours from oh, here. Oh, man. Uh, and my roommate came with me and we had a toolbox <laughs> with like three wrenches in it and a screwdriver. And... I mean, you don't really think about these things, or at least I didn't think about these things way back when, when I did it. But to think about it nowadays, okay, it's a turbo car that has yet to be ever track-driven in a track like Sears Point, which is lined with concrete walls. Yeah. And so <laughs> there's just about every chance of something going wrong, and then you need to somehow make it back home about eight <laughs> hours away. Like brand new... Well, not brand new, but brand new build with a turbo kit on it. Yeah. It hasn't really been... It's tried and true on the street for a couple of weeks, but Basically. never on track. <laughs> Seriously. and I, So you were one of those guys that like these days were like, what is that guy thinking? Yeah, no. Nowadays, <laughs> I'm thinking about it. I'm like, I need a trailer for that yeah. and a full-size truck to uh, haul six toolboxes with me yeah. and spare parts of every system because <laughs> now i know we, we you know a lot of us talk about it you know people ask what they need done to their car to go to the track and like they're like oh i can't go to the track yet i need a turbo kit <laughs> we're like no we no, don't no. but you you come from that side <laughs> well yes yeah, so admittedly i'm guilty of that too so <laughs> yeah i mean it you know it's, it's one of those things where i i haven't really thought about that part until i was there yeah um because, you know, for me, it was all new. Like, okay, well, I just want a cool car. And, you know, and the turbo was obviously the, the way to make things go a little quicker. Yeah. And 
Like, ah, I'm going to have a Turbo Miata. That sounds like a good idea. And it dynoed like 250-something to the wheels. And yeah. It definitely was quick enough. Couldn't put the power down. Uh, and definitely more than a handful for a newbie track driver. I mean... But I'm sure your most recent trip up there in a different car that wasn't turboed, you're probably turning laps that were seconds and seconds oh. faster than, than they were that yeah, first weekend, right? Yeah, quicker. <laughs> yeah. It's actually kind of funny. Like, even after I learned how to drive the, the turbo car... Which uh, was nicknamed Blackbird, by the way. And that's oh, kinda oh how is that how the company name came about? Yeah, yeah, it okay. actually is. Because uh, that was my username I, I assume on all it was the black. forums, Blackbird and all that. And it was a black Miata. Okay. And actually, the, the name was from my kid sister at the time. She came for a visit with my parents from Israel. And uh, she looked at the car and was like, oh, it's black. It has a wing and all that. And I was like, okay, well, you should call it Blackbird. <laughs> that's Done. a great idea. Done, Done deal. Thank you. Um so, yeah, just, you know, thinking about it, uh, you know, in terms of what progress the aftermarket made in that time since 2000 and we're now 2015 yeah. and yeah. the level of performance that we can get out of these cars. I mean, it's the same car that it was, you know, 15 years ago, mm -hmm. but the outright performance, what you were able to get in terms of, you know, shocks, uh, what we have on on that current car that we're running the white one uh which is also has a that nickname uh, going around cream puff cream puff yep yeah so what we're able <laughs> it's better to than cream pie i guess so i guess so <laughs> they're in some regards um but yeah what we're able to get out of the cars is definitely you know the the level of performance is amazing yeah uh, you know the shocks the tires that are available now i mean you can Buy something like a Toyo RR, which is a, you know, decent, you know, track day tire and, and or for low level club racing. It's probably faster than Hoosiers were back then. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There's probably, it was. There's actually, there's probably some street half. tires now yeah. that are faster than Hoosiers were back then. Uh, absolutely, I agree. Yeah. You know, the like the, the Rival uh, S. The Rival and, S, yeah, and the RE71R. Absolutely. And, yeah. So there's some I mean, very neat stuff that's out now. Yeah, you're thinking of what was the hot street tire at the time, uh, like a, a Zenis RT 215. Yeah. Oh, my God. In today's <laughs> term, those are like charcoal donuts. You know, I was in Michigan a couple of weeks ago in an event, and some guy showed up with some of those on his car. He didn't track it. He just he was there. He was like, dude, check it out, man. Period. Correct. <laughs> wow. Probably like cracked for, yeah, for be sitting in, in super know, all scary that time. to drive on, but sketchy. Yeah. No, what, what really surprises me, I guess, is that, you know, like we were talking, the, the market back when you started in, in 2000, 2001, around that time here in the States with the Miata, I mean, the Miata had been out for 10 years at that point. And even then, you know, 15 years now after that, the market is still increasing. Everybody's tuning the cars. Technology's improving. Everyone's putting tons and tons of knowledge and experience back into the chassis, and it's really, really paying off. I mean, looking at some of your work that you've done, and talking to you, you know, you've got years of fab experience uh, working with, you know, the Miata and other chassis. But one thing that kind of stuck out to me with, with some of your work is that you are constantly improving your design. So there's a lot of people out there that will figure out something that works and just kind of be happy with it and keep going. But, you know, you were telling me with, with some of your new cars, there's stuff that you have thought about that you've just been implementing more and more every time so it's kind of like a, an evolution of your work which is is really interesting to me and and really seeing the quality of your work and the thought that goes into it is really impressive 
Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things where I, I never felt that it's a, you know, you're looking, for example, at roll cages. I never felt that it's it's a one-size-fits-all product. Uh, and plenty of fabricators out there will do that. You know, they'd figure out exactly like you said, the formula, the the let's, you know, put the front leg here, put the door bar here, call it a day, rinse and repeat as many times as the cars come through the doors and call it done. Uh, and we definitely don't do that. Um, for each driver, I find that there is a level of fine-tuning that would make the car better for them. Uh, it's it's a better experience. It's a safer experience. Uh, and we definitely put the emphasis on safety. Uh, and so I want you know, the, the next guy that drives through the door to know that we are changing our layout to fit you better. Right. It's, which is a very important thing. I mean, you have a guy that's 5'4 and weighs 120 pounds versus a guy that's 6'2 and 235 pounds. And these two are going to need some different features in the car. Um, and the car could be better for each one of them by changing some of those features. And one of the things that uh, you saw on the new car that we're building here is that we are changing some of the very basics of the layout because we constantly think of better ways to do uh, to do things. And and I would say that especially with the new car, which has yet to be presented or anything, but we we're hoping to show it very soon. Um, with that car, it really doesn't share almost anything with the cages that we built in the past. Yeah, there's. Just about everything about it is completely different. Uh, came up with a whole new layout of a cage that uh, makes it wider, which is nice for a small car like a Miata to make the most amount of room out of it. Uh, and that cage is much wider than we were able to do before. Um, there are additional features in it that would make it more aerodynamic, which is uh, something that if you drive open cockpit, you, you want to note all those details. There's the ability to uh, reinforce areas that typically are not getting reinforced as much. And uh, and certainly uh, the ones that you saw, like those big curved gussets that were yeah, those we put on the big A-pillars. 3D gussets that were all all hand formed. Yeah. Uh, you know, eventually when the car when the car is ready, we'll release, we'll release some pictures. And it's very, very impressive work. Yeah, that's it's. Probably the single most time-consuming piece in the entire car. Uh, each one of those takes about ten hours to build from scratch. Wow. Flat sheet metal. Wow. That is getting cut and shaped and rolled and welded together and polished and dimpled and fitted. It's 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 a crazy amount of work for a single piece. But the big trick about it is that you would be able to brace the front leg of the cage to make it much stronger. Uh, so a frontal impact. Uh, or, you know, like an end-over-end kind of uh, uh, rollover would be, uh, you know, much better reinforced A-pillar for that. And the nice thing about the rolled gusset is that it doesn't take away from the door opening. Oh, Uh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, so if your car was on fire and you try to get out of it ASAP, uh, you really want the door opening to be as big as possible. Yeah, Yeah, you you can curve it as opposed to drawing a straight line down. Exactly. Yeah. So the the straight line down is, is what they do with uh, what's known as FIA bars, uh, right. which in a car that has a big door opening like a BMW, not, not as much of an issue. Exactly, E46 or a, or a, you know E36. Lots of the 
bigger cars, Camaro or something like that, they have really huge doors. So it's not that big of a problem to draw a straight line uh, from the top of the uh, of the windshield corner down to the f you know the footplate at the floor, uh, and that's a great reinforcement. Only if your car was as small as a Miata or an MR2 or something like that, and you need to leave the door opening big enough for you know the driver to be able to uh, come out of the car quickly, then those rolled gussets are really the way to go. And you know, I'm happy that we're able to to do them for obviously our customers and, yeah. and in our cars to show it to the next guys that are not even aware of the fact that we're able to do it. Yeah, you know, for, for some of our listeners out there, I was here taking pictures earlier today, and I'll release them uh, after the car is, has been finished and everything, but it's it's going to be very interesting for you guys to to look and see the different thought, or the different design and extra thought that, that Moti's put into the cage on this car. And I assume a lot of those features will, I guess, customer-dependent, will be integrated, though, into into future customer cages. Yes, yeah, I mean, we, we've already integrated a number of them into customer cars. Yeah. Um, you know the the some of the features are obviously easier to integrate some of them are more time consuming therefore cost more and it's you know those gussets are not going to be for everyone i mean it's 20 hours worth of work and yeah. by the time you add up the At shop, amount of dollars shop per hours, hour exactly yeah uh it becomes a, a rather time consuming thing yeah we did feature it in a few of our cars we've done a uh, C6 Z06 not okay. too long ago with exactly uh, that type of gusset because the driver was a really big guy yeah uh, and he needed all the room in the world to be able to exit fast okay um, and so yeah doing that uh, and even you know a driver that's closer to a sasquatch dimension <laughs> would still be able to come out the window just fine yeah you know so yeah everything that we do we, we don't keep anything away from our customers we would we would be able to feature everything in the next build, uh, assuming the customer wants it and uh, and has the budget, you okay. know, of course, which just like everything else in motorsports, <laughs> yeah. right? <laughs> now, I know we were you know we were talking about safety a little bit and, and with cages. Um, what I know we were talking before we started the show though about things with cages that you've seen that other people have done that aren't aren't quite correct. Uh, what are the the biggest things that you see that other people do? You know, you don't have to name names or anything, no, um, but the, the biggest things that, that you've seen with other cages that you haven't done that are kind of mistakes, I guess. Well, there, there are a few things that, you know, always would strike uh, me as a, as a cage builder uh, looking at, um, at other cages that were built. You know, some of them are... are you know, every fabricator has their own idea. Every right. you know fabricator worth mentioning, I, sh I should say. Um, is it? Is there's a guy fabricators with a out there that I would you know I respect what they do, even yeah. if it's not exactly the setup that I would do myself, because every fabricator has their own idea of what. Oh, this is I can do it better by changing this detail or that detail. Yeah. But the ones that you look at and you see, like, okay, this is a mistake. Um, a lot of times you'll find misalignment in tubing, you know, hmm. something as simple as an X door bar. Uh, and you'll just see the, you know, you have the straight tube that, that does the, the longer run. And then you have the two shorter tubes that would do the other side of the X. And a lot of times those are not aligned. Okay. Uh, and that's, that's a big deal. Right. Um, and, and that goes throughout cages all the time. You see misalignment between front and rear legs of the same cage that are attaching to the main hoop 
at different points for no reason other than the fabricator was either lazy or just didn't think about it. Because uh, a lot of times the laziness is taking over and you can see it. Like, yeah. okay, there's a notch that you could do that's a little harder to do. It will take a few more minutes per notch. But it will make the cage stronger and all the load paths would align correctly. But it does take the time. So, you know, a lot of guys that are trying to cut the corners would um, just basically not do that because they have a straighter path to do things and it takes a little shorter amount of time. Yeah. And that's how you lose some strength in the cage. Okay. Uh, the other thing is uh, door bars. A lot of times you'll see S-bends put into them where you have a return in the tube. Um, and we've never done a car that I found this to be necessary. You can always avoid S-bends by changing something in the way that you're doing the work. Or um, for some classes and some cars, you're allowed to go through the B-pillar through the B-pillar, not notch it, okay. but drill Straight into it with it. like a hole saw or something wow. like that yeah. and go right through it. Um, and, you know, I can show you some examples that we've done that are exactly that. You, okay. could, you could run the door bar through it and avoid the S-band altogether. Wow. Uh, and that is obviously another, you know, more labor-intensive solution, but yeah. it is a much but stronger solution right. than putting yeah. the S-band, which is essentially a pre-failed door bar. Yeah. Okay. Well, now, you know, if you if you consider, I guess, fabricators artists, which I do, you know, every Absolutely. artist has a kind of an individual style. Absolutely. Is it to the point now where you can look at a cage and you can pretty much guess who did it? Uh, not only that, but it gets to the point that I can see a car, you know, in the paddock of a, you know, Batonuelo or Laguna or, you know, Sonoma or something like that. And mm -hmm. I'd be like, oh, we built that thing. And it would be like half a paddock away. <laughs> but I would be able to tell my own touches on something. Yes. Yeah. Very specific because I have my own way of doing things. I, I like to see th things supported in a very specific way. Um, and so uh, it's kind of cool because a lot of times I would even drive here in the streets of L.A. And, you know, Miatas are abundant and lots of them have roll bars and from different manufacturers. But I'll always be able to tell like, oh, this is one that we did. Because uh, I could, I could see the supports going the way that we like to do them. Yeah. Right to the corner where the uh, the tube was weakened by the bending and the bending process, and so it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's exactly that. You know, like you're saying, we have we have our own style, our own you know solutions for for different issues in every build. So being able to see and tell, like, oh, that's ours. Okay. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, I kind of. I could kind of see that from being around different fabricators and being at the track a decent amount and, and seeing. Uh, usually I can narrow it down to a couple of different, you know, fabricators that I might have done that, that did a cage. But it's kind of interesting to see the perspective for somebody that actually, you know, does the fabrication. If, you know, right. if I can notice it, then you guys can definitely notice oh, it. Oh, absolutely. So. Absolutely. And it's kind of funny. Like every now and again, we would... Someone would pop a picture of like, oh, this and that shop did it for me. And, and before I even see... Who, who did it? Which yeah. shop? I'd be like, oh, that's, that's so that and came so. from that shop for yeah. sure. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, you know, you read into the commentary like, oh, of course. Yeah. Now, I know that you just worked on a, a roll bar for the new ND chassis. We don't have to go into specifics about the, about the bar because I know it's pretty much the first one to market that's out there. But having pulled the car apart, is there anything about the chassis, the ND chassis in particular, that surprises you? The most surprising thing I would say is how well built they are, how smart okay. they are uh, in the way that they're built. It's it's an astonishing 
level of attention to detail from Mazda, especially when you consider the budget that this car comes in. Yeah. I mean, there are things that you just never see in anything close to that price target. Um, one of the things that was most most striking to me is not even the Swiss cheesing that you see on some of the components from the factory, which is awesome. I mean, that's how they save the weight. But there are areas that you see a, a, a spot weld joint between you know a number of sheets. Really? And those spot welds, between each spot, the material will be scalloped out. And wow. that is amazing. You, wow. you don't see anything like that. Yeah. From a car that comes near that kind of budget. Wow, that's um, yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty amazing stuff. Yeah, and actually, when you mentioned the the roll bar, um, the coolest thing about it is that we really made not only one roll bar. We actually made two models of roll bar before. Yeah, I knew you were telling me that at Laguna Seca. Yeah, if you saw uh, in Laguna Seca, there was one of them on the nine four nine racing. Yeah, on the on uh, the, the orange, orange one. car. Yep, and there was another one on the Goodwin racing. Okay, um, Andy. Okay, um, and there were actually two different models. The the one of them, the GT three model, which is on the nine four nine car. That is a uh, roll bar that was made specifically for the hardcore track rats. Right, the, the top, guys the top doesn't will, work. The fact exactly, that the top they won't tear work out the car. They yeah. don't care about you know any of the the plastics or carpets. They just want the safest car out there because yeah. they want to beat on it all day long at the track. Now, did you weigh that bar at all? Because I know I was talking yep. to Emilio, and and that car is very very light the way that it sits. Yeah, that bar is exactly forty eight pounds. Okay, and how much does uh, that top assembly weigh? Did you weigh that? I want to say is about 38. Okay. But then when you take out also the factory hoops that you have to take out uh, and some of the other components, I think that you're actually ending up net loss of about 15 pounds from the car by putting that roll bar. Okay. Um, Which leaves you 15 pounds for for a new top solution if you want. Oh, yeah. No, if you're doing like a a skin, fiberglass skin top or carbon skin top or something like that, it would come well under that. So. The racer guys that in the future will be able to uh, purchase one of those tops are going to be very, very happy with that. Um, I, I want to say that the cooler trick, though, is actually with the other roll bar on the Goodwin racing car. That model is called the RZ, okay. which stands for Road Z-Fold, okay. uh, denoting that, that the Z-Fold in soft top still works in the car. Um, and those are very, very tricky to build roll bars for because of the way that the, the Z-Top uh, soft top folds. Um, the one of the things that are coolest in this bar is that we did manage to make um, make the thing SCCA legal, uh, which it basically uh, goes through all the regulations that SCCA, you know, require every requirement or size of plates and of course you know thickness and diameter of tubes and all that. That's a given. But things like backing plates, uh, what type of you know bolt-in arrangement you have, how it ties to the car, geometry requirements, what you know angle and distances of things, and so forth. So the fact that we we're able to do an SCCA legal bar for the ND that retains the soft top is something that has never been done for the NC generation before. Right. Uh, and it was specifically because every other manufacturer couldn't make it. And we never tried. We went straight to our race bar. And I think that now after the uh, the NC guys have seen what we're able to do with the ND, there's actually a lot of demand from us to go ahead and develop a similar bar for the NC. And we're going to do that very shortly. We actually have a guy already lined up for bringing a car in for prototyping okay. purposes. Yeah, I definitely feel like there's a need for it. You know, that's I feel like the NC chassis has always been kind of 
Yeah, I don't want to say look child down, of yeah. the uh, of the Miata family. Yeah, and they're getting so cheap now. They're they're around. There's a decent amount of suspension parts for them. Yeah, and a decent amount, you know, wheels and tire options for it. Being five by one fourteen, there's there's a lot out there. But I think what's right. kept it from a lot of people taking them to the track is that there's really not a good roll bar solution. You know, there, there's w- there's roll bar solutions out there, but for the most part, from what I've seen, for people to get them to work with the top. They end up having to sit pretty low, and then you don't pass the broomstick test and things like right. that. Yeah, so. the, the biggest thing is that um, a lot of organization nowadays require, rightfully so, uh, for bars to be not only broomstick, you know, compliant, but also just basically follow the SCCA regulations. Right. Uh, which is kind of, you know, the. Uh, the golden standard, if you will, for for track day organizers. Mm-hmm. You know, if it passes SCCA regulations you you're a-okay yeah uh and the fact is that even though there's nine years of nc on the road there isn't a single bar other than our gt3 model that we have for uh for that chassis that is scca legal they're all non-compliant right Uh, everyone tried to kind of go the halfway between you know let's make it Almost SCCA legal, but, you know, compromise on things that make it more, I don't know, user-friendly for the guys that want to retain the rear carpet. Uh, and for us, it's like, who cares? You know, yeah. If I want to take a car to the track, I'm going to ditch that carpet anyway. <laughs> yeah. You know, what's, that savings. carpet is not going to make me go any faster. Yeah. Um, and so we did just that. We, we started with making the GT3 model, which is, you know, SCCA compliant, it's the only bar for NC that's SCCA compliant. And it is, you know, full width, full height, complies with the factory hardtop. Okay. Uh, and some of the lighter, you know, fact- aftermarket hardtop. Right. Uh, from, uh, you know, some of the Miata vendors that offer them. Um, but now that we have the RZ model for the 2016 cars, I think that this is going to be a big deal for the NC guys to get something like that on their hands uh, too. And yeah, it's something that we're going to start developing very, very shortly. Okay. Well, that's good to hear. You know, hopefully we'll, you know, from, from your work, we'll be able to see a lot more of those cars being out on track, you know, cause there it's, to me, hoping. it's a, it's a phenomenal value, you know, it, especially for a dual duty car, you know, for these days, it's so easy to build a an NA or NB so crazy that you just want to trailer it. You know, the NC is kind of a, you can still keep the AC and everything. And right. it's a little bit faster with the stock motor than, you know, yeah, an NA or NB would be. actually plenty quick. If you yeah. look at, you know, well-driven NCs, yeah. they are on par with the guys that put more time and effort into their NBs or NAs and yeah. all that. And, so and the, NCs, the NCs are capable chassis. They're just... Really, kind of suffered from being a little overweight, um, and they were pretty expensive for a long time too. Yeah, it's yeah, only recently that they started coming down in price. Oh, I definitely agree with you about that. Uh, but now, I mean, you can pick one up for six, seven, and you know, and have a decent car with all right condition to certainly good enough to turn into a track car. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. need to be a show queen or anything. Um, but actually, you know, one of the things that uh, to go back quickly to the uh to the roll bars for the nd Mm -hmm. um what a lot of people i don't think realize at this point is these bars are most likely going to be a direct bolting on the new fiat oh that's right i didn't even think about that they share the chassis with the nd and so the fiat uh i I don't know if the 124 spider is the the official name but you know what everyone calls them now 
uh, as being the, the 124 replacement. Yeah. Those will most likely bolt right on. Uh, from pictures that I've seen of the uh, unmasked prototype, it appears that the interior is exactly a Miata interior. Okay. So I have a feeling that we have made two roll bars for two different cars at the same time. That'll be pretty interesting to see how that pans out. I, you know, from the, the pictures that I've seen of the car, they actually look very, very nice with the design, too. And knowing that it's a Miata underneath, you know it's going to drive well, too. So yeah, it isn't should... it kind of backwards how you had a brand like Alpha going to Mazda saying, okay, we, we need you guys to help <laughs> yeah. us develop it. Like, really, Alpha? You guys made F1 cars. Yeah. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how all that pans out. You know, hopefully hopefully we'll see some out on track with some of your roll bars in them. That'd be nice. I sure hope so too. You yeah, know, we 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 really went with very extensive and and condensed, I must admit, uh, R and D process for these cars because we had them for they're only been on the road for what two months now and yeah in two months we have two roll bar models that are not only we didn't just make you know a one off you know, roll bar for the guy that wanted it. Those are full production bars. They are, every single piece of the roll bar is programmed and water jet cut and, and CNC bent and so forth. I mean, the, all these things are production ready uh, for when, you know, the next guy calls and, and says, I want a, you know, ND RZ roll bar. Yeah. Uh, and we will have it, you know, ready for them. Just tell me what color of powder coating you want it and that's it. <laughs> We're done. It's ready. I'll take it in pink, please. You got it. <laughs> no problem. Well, Moti, we really appreciate your time. Um, where can people find out more about uh, about Blackbird, Blackbird Fabworks? We have a website currently in the works. Probably okay. would be up and running in the next uh, you know couple weeks. Probably by the time we, we launch this one. Yeah, I sure hope so. Okay. Um, it's it's uh, very close to completion, so uh, hopefully that's up and running very soon. Uh, in the meanwhile, you can check us on um, uh, Facebook at Blackbird Fabworks FTW for the win. Okay. And uh, follow us on Instagram also on uh, hashtag Blackbird Fabworks. Okay. Uh, we've been supporting a number of uh, internet forums. So if you're in the Miata world, then you probably know Miata.net and Club Roadster and uh, we're active in a number of other forums. Um, for the track day guys, that uh, lots of SoCal guys, but you know, really uh, all across the country, uh, trackhq.com okay. is a great forum that uh, we're supporting as well. Um, and really, I mean, you know, if you just hit Google and type Blackbird Fabworks, you will find a million things that we've done on a bunch of different cars. And it could be anything from cages to uh, spec. BMW E46 to an aero package that we designed for Aerial Atoms. Yeah, to yeah it's, it's not just Miatas that he works on. No, no, no that's, we, that's we the main thing. Every kind of car. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, being, being so tied with the Miata world, you know, we, we kind of go hand in hand with it. But, yeah. you know, we, we do everything. Like, you know, you see, like in the shop right now, that, that Honda N600 that we're converting to a mid-engine Yamaha. That thing's you know. going to be awesome. They're putting an R1 motor in this little old N600 Honda from, what is that, like a late 60s, early 70s? Uh, it's a 1971, that okay. car. Okay, that's what and, I thought. Uh, originally weighed about 1,300 pounds with full <sighs> interior and made 35 full horsepower on a great day. Yeah, um, and so we're converting it from a front-wheel drive front engine to a mid-engine rear-wheel drive, using a Yamaha R1 engine. So 
so that's going to be wild. Yeah. 160-something horsepower. That's going, to be, that's going to be really crazy. Fully caged, and we're converting the suspension to double wishbone everywhere, and arrow and everything. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a hoot. Yeah, Moti's got some really, really neat stuff here that he's working on. And, you know, I can't wait to check back up uh, in a couple weeks when I'm here. Yeah, yeah, we'd love to uh, have you. Awesome. Well, like I said, we really appreciate your time. Um, on myself, on behalf of myself and, and Adam, um, thank you so much. No problem. Thank you.